0: Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Kiyotse. Today is episode 32, Down the Rabbit Hole. Are we living in a computer simulation in honor of Aquarius season? Enjoy! Hello, 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 y'all. Happy New Year. It's your girl, Kiance, back with another episode. We made it into 2022, y'all. I have been doing a lot of shit offline. Your girl got a new job. <laughs> okay. Marketing manager for Veda Sales at Neil Corporation. So basically, um,. I am working in the beauty industry now specifically um, working with salons um, Neil is a company that um, there's like a lot of different facets to it but basically a lot of it is around salon development and um, Neil works with Aveda um, to do education around salon a um, lot around salons and salon industry. Um, different stuff like that. So that's what my my day job is now full-time. I'm so happy about it, getting a lot of great experience. Um, If you know me, you know I love marketing, you know I love sociology, you know I love talking about everything related to society in general. So this is really giving me a really great opportunity to make a really cool impact And to create more awareness um, around different types of hair textures, around um, different types of experiences as it relates to hair, the politics of hair, um, and the salon industry. So that's just a little bit about it. I'm so happy about it. Just this uh, past weekend... We had a conference, so it's called a serious business conference, where um, different salon owners actually came into the city, and um, there are different speakers. Uh, we are speakers about futurist thought and business development, intercultural connect creativity and connectivity, um, a lot of different stuff. So I'm so excited about that. It's a really great outlet. Uh, besides that, my birthday was on January 6th. Uh, which is actually the first day of Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. Um, and a lot of people don't know that this is the first day of Mardi Gras, but Mar- uh, first day of Mardi Gras is January 6th, and it's actually Joan of Arc's birthday also. So there is a parade, there's a Joan of Arc parade that happens in the French Quarter on Mardi Gras, and it is, of course, the first day of King Cake, and um, January sixth is actually called Epiphany or Three Kings Day. Um, also, my name actually means King of Kings. I don't. My mom did not know that, but Keon in Persian is um, King of Kings. Keon, and so the Three Kings Day is whenever the three magi brought the gifts of frankincense and myrrh to um, Jesus Christ. And specifically one of those, um, whose name is Balthazar, I feel a really deep connection with Balthazar, um, Balthazar was black, um, and according to some mythology, was also a priest of Ephah and used Ephah to figure out, um, how to, how to follow the North Star to find Jesus, um, But these were very deeply magical beings. They were beings who were deeply um, knowledgeable of occult sciences. So there is a lot of esoteric meaning to Mardi Gras and to Three Kings Day that a lot of people don't really um, consider whenever they think about Mardi Gras. A lot of people think about the party and stuff like that. But this is a whole season of contemplation. Um, with deep occult meaning. So I, I'm planning to do a Mardi Gras episode at some point. You know, Mardi Gras lasts for a couple of months. I think Mardi Gras this year. When is Mardi Gras this year? Let me look it up. Um, cause Mardi Gras culminates with the Mardi Gras parade, which is Fat Tuesday. Mardi Gras is, um, that is what Fat Tuesday means in French. And so you have, uh, Mardi Gras is going to be on Tuesday, March 1st. Fat Tuesday is on March 1st here. So you have all these other parades that happen in between that time. And, um, yeah, so if you feel like sending your girl, you know, a cash app, <laughs> uh, my cash app is at E-L-D-R-A, at Eldra, which is my real name. Um, Venmo is at Keon, K-E-O-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. Um... Yeah, so if you want to send your girl a president, so, you know, I ain't going to reject it. Um, so today we are going to be talking about the season of Aquarius. And I have a very special relationship with the zodiacal energy of Aquarius. I myself am an Aquarius rising. I also have my Mercury is in an Aquarius placement. And so a lot of my reality, a lot of my thought processes um, are very Aquarian in nature and energy. If a lot of you, if you, a lot of y'all know my content is occultist. It's about challenging status quo systems and modes of thinking I'm really into technology and um, trying to understand the future of spirituality, specifically Black spirituality. Um, what, what 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 it looked like in the future? Because it's a lot of different trajectories and possibilities. If you are a futurist thinker, futurist thinkers do not just consider one linear outcome one linear process that leads to one specific outcome you have to think of this as a cone there are many different possibilities to the future and at times it's up to us to choose which trajectory we go on and a lot of my manifestation work i actually heard this from um good word um and let me, I need to look her name up. I know it's Guru, Guru Jagat. Let me see. Yes, Guru Jagat. Rest in peace um, to her. But she actually um, mentioned this type of reality manifestation where if you have a goal in mind, let's say, for instance, I—I this job that I got was a dream job. I did a lot of manifestation work. I was really put in, con- in contact, in synchronistic contact with individuals who were integral to me achieving this goal. But I had seen maybe like six months ago where she did this talk and it was about um, manifesting your reality. And she said, imagine yourself doing a visualization exercise where you imagine yourself out of an infinite amount of possibilities and opportunities you are going down the trajectory that helps you fulfill a specific goal. Of course, I'm not talking about a goal that's like negative, you know, in nature, but a goal that is in alignment with your your higher level of self-actualization. So imagining yourself on a specific trajectory in the future is a great way to hone in and a great way to, I guess, make a call to the universe. Um, Because a lot of times with manifestation, you don't really need to specifically worry about the process. It's about the end goal. So that really made me think about that. But anyway, that is what futurist thinking is. And that is also a way that you are using your technology. You're using your consciousness as a form of technology to manifest. And so I think of the season of Aquarius. I think of Aquarius, even in occultist terms means understanding how to work with higher energetic forms and innovate on the ways that you are manifesting, um, manifesting in your reality. Because uh, the goal of a magician is to get better at the skills of manifestation, of manifestation, the type of manifestation that is in alignment with the will of your higher self, of your higher guardian angel as... um, the folks in Hermetic Kabbalah say. So um Aquarius season begins on January 2nd and it lasts until February 18th. And so with the theme of this show, I'm gonna go over what Aquarius is. We're gonna do kind of a deep dive into that archetype. And then I wanna go down the rabbit hole a little bit. I wanna I wanna do some exploration. And so I actually found a talk um, from this person named Donald Hoffman and it's on evolution or it's on evolution game theory, evolutionary game theory. And basically this dude is a scientist who um, proves or talks about the fact that we live in a computer simulation. So I'm going to um, link in the um, in the show notes to this specific episode. But this was an episode on Sean Kim's S-E-A-N Kim K-I-M. Um, it was on his YouTube actually. And um, it was on his YouTube channel. And Ch- they went down the rabbit hole. The whole talk is about an hour and 30 minutes, but cha when I tell you, honey, honey, when I say they went in deep, they went in deep. And so we're going to do a, a little recap of that. Um, and we're going to extend this out into understanding how this fits into the context of the occult. So sit back, you know, get you a little cocktail, get you, a Little herb, whatever you like, and get prepared to dive into this rabbit hole, okay, honey. Honey, honey. So, we're gonna take a little break a little five second, a little five second break. We're gonna have a little chill music, and then we're gonna dive deep into the significance of the season of Aquarius and what it represents as far as um, a basic cycle structure, um, a basic f- um, facet of um, our soul, our personality. All right, all right, all right, so now we are ready to discuss Aquarius season, um, but before that, I I found it quite befitting to talk about some directions that I'm going to be going in with my content, um, so I've really had Afrofuturism on my mind, and specifically exploring, um, the ways that mysticism fits into Afrofuturism. And Afrofuturism is all about conceptualizing the um, place of um, black people in the future, in the future of society. A lot of times in a lot of mainstream um, literature, um, sci-fi literature, sci-fi media, um, sci-fi art black people are missing in that um in the equation the pre or the, we aren't really represented a lot of times um and so I feel it is kind of my calling to um really think about the ways that um black spirituality fits into the future and so this episode is kind of like kicking that off so I'm gonna be exploring different themes related to afrofuturism going to be um looking at different types of art um and talking about the spiritual elements in those um hoodoo is a very afrofuturistic um system of i would say system of spirituality and magic it has a very flexible kind of cosmology there's not just one set of one pantheon of gods or deities that um, or goddesses that, um, goes along with hoodoo. But, um, hoodoo is all about using technology, technology that is timeless, timeless techniques, timeless, um, timeless methods for manipulating energy for a certain kind of outcome. Um, and so hoodoo is very, Futuristic. So we're taking hoodoo into the future. Period. So that's what I've been thinking about down here on the bayou here in New Orleans. La houle, honey, honey, let the good times roll. Okay, so let's take a deeper dive into Aquarius, and I am gonna be looking at some different articles. Uh, specifically times of India, I love their description of Aquarius, of the Aquarian personality type. And so um, with astrology, as I mentioned earlier, I really like to think of astrology as representing um, a kind of holistic model of different personalities um, of the human psyche. And those manifest differently, you know, differently in different aspects of the birth chart, different um, parts of our personalities. So This is just one specific part. Uh, So Aquarius is the 11th zodiac sign, and it's symbolized by the water bearer. And this is a symbol of the gods bringing essential nutrients to the earth. So Aquarius people are advanced, self-reliant, clever, exceptional, and optimistic. And so the most notable characteristic of Aquarians, of Aquarian people, is a lofty vision for um our own future as well as the future of society. Aquarians are forward-thinking people who want to make the world a better place and so their acts and viewpoints are guided by their empathy and strong sense of fairness. So Aquarians are at once very empathetic but also wary of people and like to keep a certain amount of distance um and that is characteristic of air signs, definitely. But also with the water, I um feel that that is kind of what makes makes the um Aquarians empathetic. Um. So yeah, Aquarians are very concerned with the adva- advancement and progression of of the mind of society and moving beyond old and outdated. Um, ways of thinking. So as many of you know, we're moving into the age of Aquarius actually. And so um, we have different ages of humanity. This is um <clears throat> there's it's approximately 25,000 or so years um to go through the whole zodiac season, the season of zodiac, of the zodiac. So there's I think roughly I think every age is this is approximately is approximately 2,500 years. So over the next 200 or so years, we're going to be moving into the, to the age of Aquarius and from the age of Pisces. Um, and so 200 years over the scale of 25,000 is not really a lot, actually. Um, so we that's what we're seeing right now with this transition, this kind of breakdown in older systems. Um, the United States Pluto return actually is in February I think February 20th or something like that. Um, Pluto Return. Go to my Instagram. I I don't want to explain a lot about that. Just go Google it. Pluto Return. Basically, it, Pluto is the planet of death and transformation. Um, every 250 years or so, approximately, it, um, it takes for like a rotation of full circular 360 and so the United States Pluto return is on February 20th which can signal the end of the empire all this kind of stuff but I digress um like I said Aquarians are very much so concerned with the breakdown of societies and so as we move into the age of Aquarius we're going to see more of these characteristics manifest in um in social development So, um, Aquarians, I actually found this thing, this is an interesting debate, um, January Aquarians are more Saturnian, and February Aquarians are apparently more Uranian, and so, um, Aquarius is ruled by the planets Uranus and Saturn, I don't like saying Uranus, because it sounds weird, but, um, (laughs) anyway, um, so Aquarius is a fixed sign, fixed in its modality, which means it's kind of fixed in its mindset, which can in- indicate a bit of stubbornness, <laughs> um, ruled by Uranus and um, Saturn, the 11th zodiac sign, and one of, uh, some of the themes of us moving into the season of Aquarius, as I mentioned, is uh, we're moving from the industrial age to the information age. We're currently experiencing the breakdown and transition um, of our labor system also. So um, Aquarians are also really concerned with the the perspective of the individual and kind of the liberation of expression for the individual. So as we move from a Pisces age, Pisces, think of Jesus, think of um, fundamentalist religion. Um, Pisces, if we're looking at the shadow aspect, um, can really symbolize manipulation on a spiritual level. So if we think about... The the most widespread religions um, that have grown over history, over thousands of years, Christianity, Islam, Zen, Buddhism, those have also been mechanisms for um, global colonization, which has been quite violent. And this is a kind of flipping religiosity on its head to um, tap into the fears, to tap into the um, the underlying, I feel like, instinctual fears of members of society. And so a lot of our labor relations are um, structured around this, of around religion, Catholicism. The church has a huge hand in the economics of society, how money moves through society. So, um... In that context, we are moving from the season of Pisces, of the age of Pisces, as we um, see people move into different types of spirituality, more liberated, quote unquote, forms of spirituality, more spirituality, where you don't necessarily have to go to a church, where you don't have to go to an institution, where you don't have to go to another individual who who quote unquote has a deeper connection to source than you do so as we see with hoodoo as we see with occultism as we see with these um esoteric metaphysical studies um it's about a deeper dive into your own individual power and how to tap into different energetic forms to to make a new reality happen. banda. hallelujah. Because through Jesus, there is a way. And I, I, through Jesus, I'm saying we all got a way to tap into Jesus. So with hoodoo, black people, we took shit. We just mixed it together. You know what I mean? Hoodoo is, like I said, it's a system of magic. It's a system, an occult system of magic to manifest, and you're doing that through the energy of Jesus, which is a connection to source. So, you can think of these religious figures as just different codes for tapping into the program, into the more transcendent program. So, speaking of programs, Henny, are y'all ready to dive down this rabbit hole and talk about some theories around how we actually live into and we actually live in a computer simulation. And so this is timely cuz y'all know about the Matrix. Um I think the 20 20th anniversary was literally um 2 years ago now and they just came out with the fourth one. And so y'all can let me know in the comments or let me know like in a review or something like that. Um like a five-star review, you know, leave that review on iTunes, honey, (laughs) um, was the Matrix really created by a black woman? Because I see that she's been, that I think, I did, I saw, I think I saw where there is a talk that she did, but I don't know, um, did she really, or is it fake? Because I want to lean on the side that she did, but I, I'm seeing a lot of conflicting, um, stories, so I don't really know. Someone email me, email MillennialSoulFood, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D at gmail.com. And let me know, let me know um, if the Matrix was actually created by a black woman. But, um, so we are going to be diving down this rabbit hole. Do we live in a computer simulation? How do we know that we live in a computer simulation? How do we not know that we don't live in you know so let's take it let me let's take a little break we're gonna put the common music on again and then come back and we're gonna discuss what's the tea what's the tea with donald hoffman and this evolutionary game theory Alright, so do we live in a computer simulation? And so if you've listened to any of my content if you've listened to me talk I do really use um, occultism I see spirituality as a form of technology um, that helps us navigate this reality that helps us tune into different methods for manifesting and so that's why I see myself as a mystic of a lot of different traditions you know, that's why I'm um, got initiated to Ifa. That's why I practice um diff- other different types of spiritual modalities and metaphysical and occultist modalities and stuff like that. So I live in the realm of synchronicities, and down here in down south, Mississippi, Louisiana, but where I'm from, um, we we live in a realm of superstition a lot of times. My grandma always was talking about superstitions. But um, superstitions, I feel like a lot of times are kind of a way of tuning into different types of synchronicities and paying attention to symbols and signs that you get and interpreting those different programs, those different programs in order to create something new, in order to guide your pathway through through the simulation, you know what I mean? So with occultism, with connecting with spirits, with connecting to your holy guardian angels, with connect with to your your holy guardian angel, with connecting to your ancestors, you're connecting to a form of um energy that you want to guide your actions. So this is information. You're connecting with a certain type of data. Um and so, yeah, that's just basically what it is. <laughs> hey. <laughs> y'all, this is the about to go deep into the rabbit hole. I'm telling y'all, honey, honey. So y'all need to sit down. Get ready, honey. Okay, so do we live in a computer simulation? So Donald D. Hoffman um, is a professor at the University of California, Irvine, a professor of cognitive studies um he actually has a podcast called the case against reality um but he was on sean kim's youtube page and like i said i'm going to put the youtube video on the show notes but essentially he does say that a computer simulation is sort of a reductionist theory because it's kind of like how do we even know what the simulation is a computer simulation that's still based on kind of um, our human perspective, you know what I mean? So I'm going to go through his talk a little bit. That talk was an hour and a half, but I've condensed it into a few minutes probably, or I've taken several of the most important concepts and kind of written them into some notes here. So we're going to be talking about evolutionary game theory. And so if we think about all of reality, we... If we want to understand if it is a computer simulation, we need to look at the nature of it. We need to look at where it manifests from. You know what I mean? We need to look at the environment. So that's what evolutionary game theory is looking at, is understanding evolution within the context of what might be a computer simulation. And so that's why it's essential to understand the evolution of genes. That's why it's essential to understand um, genetic evolution because genes are the basic data points for reality. that genes make up the information that compose our reality. Our genes make up our body. They make up the our retina. They make up our retina. They make up this technology that we use in order to perceive this holographic simulation. And so... Um, essentially he says that according to a lot of theoretical models, there is a z- probability of zero that, um, the structure of reality is objective. So we are not actually perceiving what reality is. And so, as I mentioned, our eyes are. Our bodies are attuned to a certain electromagnetic frequency. So blue isn't actually blue. Blue is blue because your eye is perceiving an energetic holographic form. And it's interpreting that data as blue. But if you have a different kind of eye, then you're going to interpret that color as different. Look at color blindness. So basically what he's saying this is mathematical stuff this is him talking about math so i'm 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 also trying to keep my language at a certain level cuz i don't want to just start using a bunch of a bunch of jargon language so they are using math in order to infer on these possibilities um on the structure of reality. And so there's a probability of zero that we are perceiving an objective reality right now. So basically he uses the, um, the metaphor, the analogy of a video game. And so with a video game, we are perceiving an interface. Let's think about a website. Let's think about Grand Theft Auto. As we are playing this video game, GTA, As we're moving as this character through this computer simulation, we are seeing the interface. So we're seeing that maybe we look like a black person wearing the color blue. You know, we got a gun. We're moving through this part of the city. But do you actually understand the code and technology of the computer that you are using to tune into this certain um, reality? Do you understand how the wires work? Do you understand how the code works? You know what I mean? Because there's basic programs for video games. There's, If you understand anything about computer coding, which I have a history in HTML and CSS and JavaScript and computer programming, the basic nature of a computer program is to make a decision, either going to the red pill or the blue pill. So... With this program, with this video game, do you understand how to code the character to go along with a certain decision that you might make? A lot of times, nine times out of ten, people just be playing the video game, but they don't really understand what the underlying structure is of that video game. So that's what essentially what Donald Hoffman is saying is like, how do we know that we're really living in reality. He's saying we are basically playing the video game. And what we're perceiving is the interface. And what his science is trying to do. And he talks about there's a lot of different factors. And that's the reason they are doing the actual testing using the scientific method to test the stuff. Which I'm going to talk about in, a, in a later on. We occultists have already known this. This is what magic is. But they are doing this in the 3D. You know, they're trying to prove this in the 3D. So they're going through all of these different scientific methods to try to understand how we can possibly recreate a model to um, gain more clarity around what objective reality might look like. So what is the code of reality? We know like chemistry and stuff like that. Yeah. And genes and stuff like that. That is, you know, that's the code, but what is it? So he goes on to talk about um, some examples of how we are conditioned to automatically just believe that all of this is real, and so he talks about um, developmental psychology and children, and consider object permanence. So object permanence is developed um, almost fully. By, four, by, by the time a baby is four months old. So object per- permanence is basically um, the belief that we have. And these, so the belief that we have, okay, so with these kinds of concepts, these are kind of like, I guess you could think of like ontological concepts. So these are basic truths that We believe that structure, our reality and object permanence is a part of this. So object permanence is our belief that different parts of our reality um, exist independent of our seeing them, if that makes sense. So think of the baby and we have a doll. So at a certain part of a baby's development, let's say two months old, if you have a doll in front of a baby and you're like, Here's the doll. And then you put it behind um, a board and hide it from the baby. The baby thinks that the doll has just disappeared. However, over the course of time, and they, I think at four months old, generally, for the um, average child, at four months old, a baby is going to know that that doll is behind the cardboard. They're going to know. They're going to have already... Um, Picked up on the concept of object permanence, and they're going to understand that the object didn't disappear. It's just behind. The object didn't disappear just because they don't see it. So we are conditioned to believe that different parts of reality are true. So we are conditioned to believe that certain colors are certain colors. We're conditioned to believe that certain behaviors mean certain things, um, and so he also gives an example of natural selection versus genetic drift. And natural selection argues that our evolution, that human evolution is going goes in one direction. So this is thinking about um, natural selection in terms of dominant and recessive genes. Sometimes with natural selection, they say that we go with the selection that makes us stronger and endure more or whatever. But genetic drift says that sometimes genes, there's a variation in genes. There's a there's a variation in this information. And so sometimes a gene can just go a certain way. Let's say with um, the population, I think they're like Aboriginal or something like that. Um, a population of black people that have blonde hair. That wasn't really necessarily a form of natural selection for survival. That's uh, That could be an example of genetic drift where the genes just drifted to another place where it produces blonde hair, but that was emphasized because these people live in a more isolated region. So, um... All of this is basically to say they're just trying to do different tests to, um, understand the nature of reality. And all of these are to argue that, um, reality is not linear. It's arguing that, um, so basically in essence, um, with genetic drift, it's saying that the holographic projection, it can go in a lot of different ways if we're kind of extrapolating this theory, um, so all of, they're doing all of these studies to try to figure out what are essential truths of reality because we don't know if nature evolves in a certain linear fashion. That's, you know, we can't really infer that because there's so many random factors that contribute to this simulation of reality. But the reason that they study genes is because these are the basic building blocks of reality. These is this is the basic code of reality. So there are a lot of different levels to this. We were thinking about this in terms of anatomy and physiology, but there's also different forms of psychology that make up um, this computer simulation that we're perceiving. And so, what what can you do with this information? You know, what can you do with this information? I am saying that with this information, take this to your spirituality and understand that a lot of the ways that we have been programmed to think are not necessarily the ways that reality actually is. The ways that we've been taught that the mind works actually is not the way it is. The ways that we've been taught to manifest it's not actually the way it is. And that's the reason I really love um, just exploring occult arts and um, different forms of mysticism because there's a lot of different ways to experience enlightenment there's a lot of different ways to communicate with different realms to tune into different realms there's a lot of different ways to connect with your ancestors there's just so many different ways and systems to d- climb up the mountain per se um so I I want all of this, I want you to just be open to different possibilities, be open to the fact that you have power, you have access to ancient forms of technology to do your own type of self-exploration, to to discover new forms of manifestation, um, to exist in new forms in the future, you know, so this is all about liberation, using this technology, using thought, um to liberate um to liberate yourself from a particular constraint you know living in the 3D is very constraining and so one of the reasons I really enjoy studying this kind of stuff is because knowledge is infinite and our consciousness is infinite consciousness is outside the bounds of time and space and so there's so much that we can explore and um I really want to use this technology, you know, the internet as a cyber witch, I want to use it to spread the code, you know, to plant that code in people's mind that, you know, pushes them to create the program, to cultivate the program that understands that we, we live in a very dynamic reality. We live in a reality um, that is very mystical and there's a lot of ways to just fast forward the connection. Occultism, hoodoo, magic, that's a way of just connecting. Also, they did talk about psychedelics um, in the talk, which was really important because sometimes a lot of people do argue that psychedelic psychedelics help us tune into the um, energetic grid that we don't really perceive um, without the aid of certain chemicals, chemical portals, even, you can say. But um, even with Psychedelics, Donald Hoffman says, um, he argues that we don't really know if that is actually reality that we're perceiving, or if it's just a variation. Like, to what degree are we perce- are we perceiving project or objective reality? So that's kind of a thing too. But like I'm saying, I encourage you use some binaural beats, do some astral travel. There are so many different types of energies to tune into beyond what we see on TV. So use technology to your benefit. You know what I mean? So I am going to be releasing this on the Patreon first. And then after a few days, I'm going to release it to the public. But yeah, this is where we're heading. This is Age of Aquarius, honey So let me know what you think about this episode. Definitely, I'm going to be exploring more of these topics. um, Intersections of technology, existentialism, you know, spirituality. Um, So thank you for tuning in. I love y'all so much. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I will be posting this first to the Patreon, so I will be having some um, episodes of my podcast that are exclusive to my Patreon, so I will be posting this first, Um, so if you're hearing this, it'll have been a little bit of time um, after Aquarius season has started, so I definitely encourage you to join my Patreon, Um, that's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M I L L E N N I A L S O U L F O O D Millennial Soul uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Millennial Soul Food. So go over and join. Especially that $13 tier. Gets the exclusive, the most exclusives. So go over there and support your girl, period. Um, and I love y'all so much.